Welcome to West of North London, where the team is getting back to it, and so are we. I'm Caleb. And I'm Tim. Tim, it, it, is, it is fitting that we're back from the holidays. Yes. <laughs> from, from, from a little traveling, just at the same time the team is coming back from theirs. And, and uh, so, so we, we get back to the grind. Yeah, exactly. It's, uh, you know, it's the perfect time to take a uh, vacation from the podcast and from the country when Arsenal's not playing. Although I was in Europe and, you know, I get a lot more news and interaction when I'm uh, in Europe and Arsenal's playing than I do in the States. So there's a little bit of that missing, but. Yeah, I, I feel like every time I see an Arsenal fan out in, in public, I feel like I have to try to say something to them. Yeah, exactly. And, and in Europe, that is not something you necessarily need to do. No, I saw multiple people <laughs> with the Arsenal tattoos just wandering around the uh, streets of uh, Austria. So I saw I saw a guy with Arsenal tattoos the other day, and he was too far away for me to like swim through the crowd at Costco to go say <laughs> something, but I really wanted to. Yeah. I mean, when are we going to get our Matina Arsenal tattoos? I'm lucky if I just get a jersey. <laughs> You're not going to go all in with me? Uh, you know what? I uh, I did get a check in the mail today. Probably not enough to pay for a tattoo. But I do think it's funny because I, you know how you get those things where like X company has uh, compromised your personal data. So if you sign up for this, you can get some money from them. And yeah. it never amounts to anything. I got $60 in the mail today. What? What company uh, uh, compromised your data? It was Yahoo, those jerks. Oh, I didn't know they still existed. Oh, yeah. The only thing I use them for is fantasy football. Oh, yeah. I don't, yeah. Otherwise, they don't exist to me. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so go Yahoo. Thanks for giving me money. But hopefully I'm not like totally compromised someday. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that could start a, an Arsenal tattoo fund. Yeah. I mean, you could get the A in Arsenal for about $60. <laughs> Hey, just a just a nice A. I actually kind of yeah. like that. No, that's it. Let's talk later, and we'll, we'll get matching <laughs> tattoos. There we go. Live stream. And a, the A could be for anything. So if we decide Arsenal's not for us anymore, <laughs> we just have to come up with new A words. <laughs> I don't think that'll be the case. <laughs> um, okay, so we talked about you traveling. How yes. you, you had a good trip? Oh, an amazing trip! It was fantastic. I. Uh, I, it was really annoying because it was international break, so I didn't get to see my uh, Swedish team. I thought I was going to, but I misread the the calendar, so I didn't get to see my Swedish team play, which was disappointing. And then, sweet, I was in Sweden and Austria, and the Swedish national team was playing Austria in Austria, but it was unfortunately I was still in Sweden, and it was the day before I was leaving to Austria, so I didn't get to go see that match either, which would have been kind of fun. Oh man, that's so close. Yeah. I mean, Sweden lost that game and it's probably not going to qualify for the Euro. So I probably am better in some ways not for going to the game. Uh, yeah. Sometimes it's best to avoid the in-person disappointment. Yeah. It hurts more when you actually make the effort. Exactly. But yeah, found a cool cool bar where I talked soccer, Austrian league soccer. Met a Storm Graz fan. Uh, yeah. Met a... a, a, a what was his team? His team was the oldest team in Austria, but they were in the second division of Vienna team. Cannot remember their team name for the life of me, but got some soccer talking. So how many people did you tell that you had a podcast? Uh, way too many. We might see a spike <laughs> in uh, both Sweden and Austria downloads. 
I mean, you got to plant the seed. That's how we get our, yeah. our roots going in uh, in Europe. I mean, we just need the word of mouth. What we need to do is actually get stickers so that we can pass them out to people. I I have thought this. We need to we need to get the the curiosity going by just plastering the city with those things. Yeah, we'll take we'll take this one offline. Uh-huh. <laughs> I like it. We can we can cover several cities here. Yeah, exactly. And it's a good business card to give people so they remember it. Yeah, stickers. Yes. Okay. We're coming up with all kinds of off-season plans now. Coming Tattoos soon. and stickers to start. <laughs> how have you been the last couple of weeks? Have you? How's life been without a Arsenal games to watch? Uh, you know, I've been living off of highlight reels and, um, you know, uh, watching our past season and the highlight reels of of new players coming in, and so that's that's sustaining me. Uh, unfortunately, watching the Sounders or the men's national team is not <laughs> cutting it for me. So yeah. It's not not doing it. Yeah, especially the way the Sounders are playing right now. So, <laughs> oh my god, and like no end in sight. Like yeah. just just the same old, same old. But well, hopefully they get some players back, and that could help them. But yeah, I digress. Uh yeah, but sounds good. Sounds uh, sounds like things are you know just chugging along. We're waiting, all waiting until the season starts. Yeah, but we get uh, you know it's hard not to be excited. We've got we've got things to talk about because. I know. It, it, what we opened up the window 14 mm-hmm. is that right and it's been a flurry of activity already for arsenal which is um uh, not not anything outgoing yet but the incoming is the most more exciting part yeah that's it, the part we like anyways yeah so let, we'll we'll get to that in a minute before we do let's talk about beers what what have you did you bring anything back? I did bring back beers from Austria, but I actually gave him away his presents. I didn't, oh. I didn't, I was uh, unselfish, I guess. I, I did bring maybe possibly totally not stolen a glass from, uh, from Austria with Okeringer, which is a, uh, a, uh, Marzen that's very popular in, in Vienna. But yeah, no, the, the beer I am, I'm drinking, I bought it today for beer of the week and then i realized i think i've actually already had this one on the podcast but it's called uh terre du sol and it's for a collab between wander brewing and otherlands brewing up here in, in bellingham it is a Fodor age sasan bottle conditioned coming in at 6.7 percent Ooh, very nice which Again, apologize for repeating the beer, but if I remember, this was a good one. Don't worry, I think I got to repeat this week too. Oh yeah, it's summer. That's when we do the repeats. That's how it works. Oh, that's fantastic! Yeah, fantastic. It's a uh, Belgian style, like think a uh, Chimay, that kind of a uh, that style sweetness, a little bit of sour. Yeah, I mean, when I was in Europe, I basically drank all continental lagers, so like I probably didn't see a hop the entire time I was there. <laughs> but this this one's a a, a nice uh, a nice change yeah i'm loving it cool. what about you Great. uh i'm going with a repeat as well like i said it's the summer so this is when we do our greatest hits i guess uh, <laughs> i'm doing a bail breaker uh top cutter ipa right. it is actually i think my my favorite go to like it just it just hits it just right for me yeah, I mean, I, I know we've had this discussion before, but it's actually one of my favorites. As far as like a West Coast, just straightforward IPA, that's what I'll go pick up in the store when that's 
the that's what's tickling my fancy. It's I think at this point, Washington's best just straightforward West Coast IPA. Yep. It's nothing fancy, but it just hits right. Like they just got a good balance. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you don't need all the bells and whistles and super fancy things. Sometimes you just want an IPA and that's exactly what that is. Yeah. After, you know, I'm, I don't go out to drink as often as I used to, <laughs> <laughs> um, but it seems like for a long time there, the two very prevalent IPAs were the Space Dust around here and the, uh, and then the, a little bit of the Silver City, uh, uh, why am I blanking on the name? The Hazy. Oh, I know exactly which one you're talking about. I can see the tab handle and it's, I know. it's not going to come tro- to me. Tropic Haze. Oh yeah, Tropic Haze. Yeah. So... You know, those were like very prevalent on a lot of taps and I didn't, I, you don't see bail breaker too often, but I feel like this is a better representation of like a solid Washington IPA than those two were. Cause those ones, I feel like the space test was really strong. Mm-hmm. Hazy was very hazy. So I, I kind of got burned out on that, on that. But, um, you know, the bail breaker, I feel like shoots down the middle much better than those two did. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right. Beer's done. Timbit ready. Well, I'm kind of, uh, you know, burying the lead a little bit, but, uh, as we all know, we've have a new, uh, player to get excited about and it's one, uh, Kai Havritz, mm-hmm. which I know we'll get into the, the pluses and minuses later, but, uh, I know, uh, he, he has a lot of complaints for his, uh, goal scoring record. So I thought I'd, uh, just kind of quiz you about oh, boy. his goal scoring record. I think it'll okay. be funny because these are things I didn't know off the top of my head. I just wanted to kind of go into research about how many goals did he score in, in different guises and uh, is it bad or good? So uh, let's start where uh, he got his you know first team start at Bayer Leverkusen in the Bundesliga. Mm-hmm. He had 118 appearances over four years from 2016 to 2020. How many goals do you think he scored in those 118 appearances? Uh, let's go with 45. You're not too far off. It was 36. 36 okay. goals. You got to assume the first couple of years he was not getting regular starts with that. True. Yeah. Was his last season uh, like a 20-goal year for him? Uh, could be i'm not looking at that breakdown unfortunately never mind i can uh actually let me go uh his last season nope it was a 12 goal season it was 12 goal the season before he had 17 okay i I knew he he had one season he he was touching 20 almost yeah yeah so he went uh you know four goals three goals and then jumped up to 17 and 12 which is you can see why uh people get excited about him Mm -hmm. all right now, so for Chelsea, between the years of 2020 and 2023, he had 91 appearances. How many total goals has he scored in those 91 appearances for Chelsea? Ooh. I'd, I'd put it at like 15. Close. He was at 19. Okay. With eight goal or four goals his first season, eight goals his second season, and seven goals last season. 
And I don't have the breakdown. I do have the breakdown for this, so I can go there. But uh, the last one I'm going to ask is uh, for the German national team for his senior career starting in uh, 2018. He has 37 appearances. How many goals has he scored in those 37 appearances for Germany? I'm going to guess around 20. Uh, 13. Ah, I was overshooting, but he's, he's, he's just decent with the national team. Yeah. For the small sample size. Yeah. I think it's a, it's not a bad return. I said, I mean, we can get into it. We can make the hard transition, but yeah, let's, let's talk about it. Cause he's our first official signing of the, the transfer window. So, um, how, how, like, I don't think we talked about it at all. I don't think it came up, uh, before you left. I think the day before I left, I was at work and one of my coworkers is a big Chelsea fan and he showed me the uh, the the rumor article <laughs> right before I was leaving and we had a, a little bit of a laugh about it because he's uh, he's definitely not a Havertz fan, being a uh-huh. Chelsea fan. And he, th- he he was very excited to uh, to see the back end of him. Yeah, he's an, an interesting prospect mm-hmm. and uh, heavy, heavy on the pro- the perspective uh nature of this because i feel like um there has been a bit of a reclamation theme that has run through some of our transfers in recent years um i don't i don't know why it seems that chelsea is on the receiving it or we're we're on the receiving end from chelsea for frequently for these reclamation projects (laughs) um but that said i do think that um Chelsea's scattershot approach over the years kind of lends itself to uh, failed projects and failed players because they don't really recruit like we recruit. Mm-hmm. They tend to just look for uh, flashy players, players that um, the best player that fills a, fills a need more than a player that fits your team or your desired style of play. And a lot of that could be attributed to the, the carousel of coaching there because you're always changing your your style and and. Um, some, some coaches have gotten a tune out of the team and a a lot of them have found success, but it it does mean some players, some very good players, like the, the De Bruyne's bounce off of Chelsea and, and up going on to do bigger and better things. Um, but we've also seen like the Williams who, who come our way and just totally fall off a cliff. So, uh, I don't, I don't get that vibe from Havertz because he's, yeah, much much younger, of course. But what what do you what do you make of him as a uh, as a, as somebody who who needs a, a second uh, well a, a second chance we'll call it. But uh, what do you think of that as a reclamation project? Well, I mean, I'm going to say that I did not hate this initial when I initially heard it. I've actually kind of been a secret Kai Havertz fan for I've been seeing him in the Bundesliga. I really liked what he did there. I like what he does for the German national team. You know, as I keep on saying his last game for the German national team, he had a goal and an assist. He, he, he definitely produces. And I think there's, you know, I'm very much on the record from the moment we signed him with uh Willie and not liking that signing. Uh-huh. But I think the only similarity between these, those two signings is that will uh, was that they're from the same team, Chelsea, that William was an old player who really was on his last major contract. Whereas this is, you know, signing a young player. And I think 
you really can't look at his goal scoring record at Chelsea because they played him out of position. I, I forget the exact number of games, but I think of of his appearances, I think he's played like five games in his preferred position for Chelsea. Uh, uh-huh. And, you know, and so he's not playing in his preferred position. He's not a striker. I don't think, I think that's the thing that people get frustrated is you look at him and, you know, he spurns a lot of chances. He gets in good positions and he just doesn't bury him, but that's just not who he is as a player. And also we have to look at, especially the last two years with Chelsea, it, they're a dumpster fire of a team. They're just chaotic. They don't know what's going on. You know, he also was signed during the pandemic, which was like a whole weird vibe and time to be playing soccer. So I look at this as a very high upside. You know, the price, it it wasn't free. It wasn't cheap. Uh, but, he, you know, I think because he's been in our, our consciousness for a while, we forget that he's a younger player. I mean, he is, what, 26, if I remember off the top of my head? Come, 24, even younger. Uh-huh. So there's a, you know, he hasn't even hit his peak age yet. And it, I think playing, being surrounded by a, a supporting team playing his actual position, I think we have a possibility of seeing the best of Kai Havertz. So in your mind, what role does he fit into as far as what we need? Is he a, is he a role player from the bench? Is he? I mean, we're paying we're paying a good chunk. So is he is he going to be the the Jaka replacement? Yeah, that's exactly where I see him. As I see him as a Jaka replacement, playing basically the same position Jaka was playing for us last year. Uh huh. And I think you. I mean, in my I like, and it's nothing against Jaka. I, I I've I've come to really love Jaka, but. You have to say that Havertz is an upgrade on Jaka, in my opinion. Yeah, in that position, and it, it, he just slots right in to that position. Yeah, I think his his skill set is definitely geared towards the trailing run mm-hmm. and him arriving in the box at the right time in the right place and and finding ways to get the ball on target. And uh, I, I think of him less as a uh, like for like Jaka replacement. I don't think he's going to be able to do as much defensively, but I do think in some of the um, highlights I've seen of him, he is, he's big, so he can use his body to create turnovers. So I think if you gear him um, towards the way that we play, and I think that is, you know, if you, if you buy in and you, you really do well in this team, it requires work on both sides of the ball. And, um, Part of what Xhaka did really well was keep the ball moving, keep the ball in the opponent's half. And I think Havertz has that ability. Um, I don't know if he's a particularly strong passer, but um, I think he he can be a good pivot player that can jump into open uh, open areas of the field and, and, and find space to create things for the people around him and, and find space to run into. Uh, I think he's got the right attributes to be a, a good player for this team. I just think it's a a, a little bit of a, a left turn from where we were going with Jaka, uh, but that that's probably a good thing for the evolution of this team. Mm-hmm. And I, I like one of the things I think about is him and Jorginho as a, uh-huh. a midfield pair, and I think that's a very interesting combination. A, they know each other from their time in in Chelsea, so I think it can both kind of hit the ground running in that midfield. Yeah. And where 
you know, Havertz isn't necessarily known for his his passing. I think Jorginho doing that deep line passing. You have Havertz there, and you know, with Odegaard just kind of playing up in front of those two, you have two good passers and someone who can make those late runs. And I'm, I'm also thinking kind of like Lampard for Chelsea, that type type of style of midfielder. It's uh-huh. just kind of coming in, coming in, making those late runs and being able to to bury it. I also think him not playing striker means that he's not going to have that pressure that he always has to carry the the goal scoring load. He's definitely yeah. not going to be a a a you know have to carry that. And if he scores, you know, what was it for Chelsea last year? Uh, if he scores, what was ah? Uh, sorry, I just forgot it. If he if he scores. You know, seven goals from the midfield. That's not a horrible return on his end. You know, right? And yeah. I can I can see that actually improving with the 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 players we have. I think he's definitely more attacking than Jaka was, and Jaka got at least that much. He was at like nine. Yeah. I mean, so I I think that position lends itself to uh, scoring goals. I, the way that we, if if Jaka can do it, then Havertz can definitely do it. Um, and I really like that he ha- he brings that height so that the the crosses that that uh, Saka or Odegaard are able to put in actually have somebody to get on the other end of them. Uh, it is something that we've lacked. We have a lot of height in the team, but they're in the back line, so it's hard it's hard to get them forward into positions where we can use that height, except for on set pieces. So having somebody that we can lob the ball forward towards get get on the end of some of those crosses and to knock stuff down that that Ramsdale uh, puts out, you know, I think that having that height further up the field definitely is an advantage for us, especially if we're trying to change things up that adds, adds to our tactical flexibility. And also uh, he brings something that I know Arteta has been very keen to bring, which is championship winning experience. He's, you know, uh-huh. he's won things with Chelsea. He scored the uh, uh, winning goal in the champions league final. He, he, yeah. he has performed and has been under these types of pressures that uh, I think, you're slowly starting to get a few of those players in, you know, Zinchenko, uh, Zinchenko, and uh, Gabriel, and now Jaka, Jorginho, like these players that have been in these these positions in these difficult to high pressure situations and have won trophies, and that's a, another aspect that I think Arteta is looking at when uh, when we signed him. Yeah, to be able to find players that are uh, on the on the younger side that already have that built-in experience that that is a valuable asset because you can leverage that for a long time. It's not like you're uh, bringing in a bunch of Jorginhos to try to round out your roster to get that experience. You can actually go out and find players who have gotten it early on in their career and still have a lot to to give. And you know, they got, they got more gas in the tank, mm-hmm. so to speak. I mean, and, you know, we'll talk, I, I, maybe we'll put a pin in this, but the, his age is something that I think is super important too. We're spending money right now, but we're also, this team sh- should be together for quite a few years. You know, 24, as I said, he's not hit his peak athletic performance, just like many of the other players on this team. He can, he can grow with the, the team, you know? Yeah, I think that's something we have to, we have to mention, you know, we're going to be talking about, the incoming transfers, but I think the real big business has been locking down this team. And that, that has been go- ongoing since the end of the season. And, and 
right on through the the end of the season you know we've been doing this work for a while to lock lock this team down for another three four or five years and um i think they've like resigned everybody except for odegaard i think mm-hmm. odegaard's the only one who hasn't gotten like an extension yet but um you know saliba hasn't been announced but that sounds like that's happening uh Sokka's back um you know we're uh ramsdale signed an, an extension uh Reese Nelson sounds like he's about to resign with the team, which is good. Uh, they they locked uh, Wary uh, down for a youth contract. Um, so these players that could be going elsewhere could be, um, you know, thinking about their next de- destination. They're they're signing on for Arsenal and and really buying into this long term project that Arteta has going. And I think that reflects well in the players that we're able to retain as well as like speaks well to these players like Havertz and um, the other players that we're signing to say, Hey, this isn't just something that's like win. Now we're talking about winning every year for four or five years. And we're going to compete on multiple levels with this group. And we've committed that with our money and with the investments that we're making and bringing in new players. I think that's an easy sell, especially when you're talking about champions league You've got a young group of players that are going to go in and attack it and have just come off a season where they did it unexpectedly well against the best team in the world. So I, I think when you're, when you're selling that to young play, other young players out there, it, it is um, an easy, easy sale, especially when you've got Arteta in your corner, who sounds like he's the, the master when it comes to getting these deals across the line, like at the, the work that he's apparently been doing behind the scenes is, is really the thing that's um, selling these players on the, on the project. Yeah. And that's the thing is if you compare us to Chelsea, the, where we are a place where players want to be, we're a project that I think is an easy sell. And you'll see, you've seen, we'll see it when we talk about Declan Rice, you'll see these people want to be at Arsenal finally, especially with our champions league, we can start attracting these young players that can really see where we are going whereas with like you know Chelsea it's in just utter chaos and you know you can throw a lot of money at at the problem but i you you know you're getting diminishing returns for the money you spent and i think you know that's what we where we were before Arteta when we when we were signing the Williams of the world we were trying to like just throw money at this problem instead of actually come up with a coherent plan going forward and a project you know Absolutely. And it, it, the players that we're going after, um, you do see a theme, you see the tactical flexibility that they offer. You see that they are, um, of a, you know, like you said, they're, they, they have some winning mentality. They have some things that they're bringing from the, their history, um, that, that lends itself to building a championship quality team. Uh, it doesn't matter whether they've won with Arsenal, they bring in that pedigree. And so it, that cohesiveness that I that um, they're putting into their talent identification, it, it it goes beyond just what the stats are showing. They're talking about full picture type of player and whether they're going to fit in and bring the type of uh, the type of personality that you want this team to have. Exactly. Uh, did you have anything else to say about Havertz before we move on to the uh, the other uh, big elephant in the room? Well, I, I will circle back to Havertz after we talk about all of our transfers. So let's go. Let's go to the other two, and then we'll we'll circle back in a little bit. 
So Declan Rice, 105 yeah. million pounds. Holy, holy cow. Yeah. I mean, I think we knew this one was, was, uh, coming, but the fee, the little bit of drama that Man City added <laughs> along the way, um, it, it definitely added to the tension as we saw the, uh, bids getting rejected and then city throwing a, 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 a little bit of a cautionary bid to <laughs> see, see if, uh, anybody was serious about, about, uh, this whole Arsenal project, you know, I think if you, if, if you're Man City, you're like, hey, let's see if we can tempt it, you know, uh, it doesn't, doesn't hurt to see if, if you can snatch one away. And with the, the way, you know, coming off a of treble, I think you, you feel like you can make that happen at, at a certain price. But I mean, I, I, we, we lucked out in a certain extent in which he wanted to, he's a, apparently very much a, a family man and really wants to be close to his family and they're settled uh-huh. in London. So that was, lucked out but i think you're also seeing the the draw as i said about the project that you know it's not like i understand like probably most players in the world will kind of want to go to uh, city just because they know they're going to win things when they go to city that they they it's they're the best team in the world and it's you know it's going to turn anybody's head when they do that but i think you you see with the declan rice signing that arsenal's not that far off and in some ways especially for younger players is probably a more attractive prospect. They get to make the name for themselves. They know that, they, they, you know, Declan Rice is going to get playing time, you know, which is not necessarily guaranteed at City. Right. And it's just an, an attractive space. The, the the price tag is worrying. I mean, what, Pepe was 75 million pounds? And that was... 72. 72. Yeah, and uh, so we've smashed that, like it's over a third more <laughs> than our next highest ever. Uh-huh. But uh, I was listening to a podcast, and the way they put it was, in order to get world class ca- talent in these markets, you're going to have to pay world class money. Absolutely. I mean, you look at the going rate for a Bellingham, for a, uh, a Holland. Uh, it, it doesn't. And adding to that, that you're paying the the British tax a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, it is not surprising that we would have to go to that level to make it happen. I think West Ham knew the asset that they had. And rice and and stood firm on where they wanted to be and i don't think they were wrong for doing that because you can only cash in on those players every few years like that just doesn't come along where you have a player that's been with you and you're able to make that you know get get that across the line and, and actually benefit from it because you have to think that they're going to need to reload their team a bit and they want to compete and they want to find um talented players to fill that gap um, it's, it's, it's going to cost them a bit to, to get that level back into the team. So, uh, it is, it is understanding that it's going to be an eye-watering amount, but it, it does feel like just the general level of, or the cost that associated with these players is, is definitely on the rise. And I think like when you're looking at Ben White costing 50, mm-hmm. um, some of the, it, it, you know, I think Ramsdale is less than that. And, some of these players, you're like, well, those are, are actually a steal. Like we're kind of ahead of the market on some of these guys. Yeah. Um, because when you are able to find those talents and, and bring them up and, and get them into a, a, another level, you get to uh, reap the benefits of that. But sometimes you're on the other end of it. And um, Arsenal need to figure out not, not just the big 
splashes of cash, but how to cash in on some of their other players as well. And that's to be seen if that's going to happen in this window. But uh, it is uh, it is crazy how much the market has gone up and up and up um, for what, what used to be even uh, just a, a couple windows ago, uh, 10, 10 million less. You know, it just it just seems to jump crazy <laughs> amounts every window. Well, I mean, I, I think the um, the first question I'll ask you is not if he's worth the transfer fee, because that's a weird, in my mind, a weird question. But is he a world class player? Is he that that type of player that you can you would rate with the uh, Bellinghams and the other players that have uh, garnered this type of transfer fee? I think and, and we alluded to this with with Havertz as well. If you put a player into a team that is um, tooled to what they they um, excel at, and I think Arteta is really good at this uh, talent identification to really say, okay, I can see what this person would bring to my team, and I'm going to maximize that for them. I think that is why we saw Xhaka excel this last season is as as. Arteta's moved the pieces around and got the things that he's wanted into the team. We've seen different players start to show their their um, better sides, their their capabilities a little bit more. Um, so I think bringing Declan Rice from a team that was meh to a team to a team that is actually uh, geared towards having a holding number six that is going to provide lots of passing opportunities is going to create space for him to run into the things that he is generally good at and his, his, his uh, ability to create turnovers and stop, um, stop attacks. I think that suits our team really well. And it suits him really well, the way that our team is, is built to um, allow him to run that midfield from, from a deep, deep position. So I think it, it, it is a marrying of, of, uh, you know, the, the talent and the need. And I think it's going to, it's going to come together really nicely. Yeah. And I mean, that being said, where do you see him playing? I think he is that, that six we've been waiting for and hopefully will, um, supplant a party to some degree. Uh, it's, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it in a minute, but I think we're, uh, we're on the verge of possibly letting party go. I, I, I don't know how serious they're, the offers are that that are floating around out there but um i think if the right offer came in we'd be ready to move on uh but it is uh only because rice has come in that we're able to let um kind of let jaka go and and even think about letting party go i think there's enough confidence not that that rice is going to just uh fill in the role of multiple players but just that he is a, a a type of building block that you can build around in that mid in that defensive midfield role and just getting some pieces to back him up would probably be enough. I think that allows you to do some different things. And, uh, I think he is, he is the type of player that's going to, um, be a leader on this team. I think, I think the, the captain word has been thrown around because he was a captain at, at West Ham. Um, and I think that is a great, uh, great thing to have whether he is the captain of, of Arsenal or not I think he we know that Xhaka was that sort of player when when he wasn't wearing the armband I, and I expect 
uh, Rice is going to be the same way. I think he's just going to be uh, a, a kind of that commanding midfielder that we've really been looking for since uh, Vieira. I mean, I, I'm not, not comparing their two styles or their, their level of play by any means, but Vieira was vocal. He was a he was a um, the type of player that you could build a team around from that midfield position, and I think Rice is that same sort of guy. And the uh, the one other thing, which is a theme we're seeing with uh, our signings that I mentioned before with the uh, Havertz, is that he's won trophies. You know, he's won a European trophy last season, and yeah. I think you know again that is one of the the the, the you you really are getting a, a feel for what Arsenal is trying to sign, which is championship winning young versatile that's exactly what we're looking for in in the in these signings uh-huh absolutely if he can if it's not quite to that level i think they're you know looking at the um they have champions league experience do they have they won stuff it doesn't have to be the biggest stuff in the world but just having that winning mentality mm-hmm. um yeah so the what do you what do you think about uh-huh. the rice idea in as as a replacement for party is that something that's appealing to you oh 100% i mean uh again it's an upgrade when you when you and i think sometimes we might the because of the issues surrounding party and the way he finished the season we forget that party actually had a pretty good season last year i think he had a, a yeah a, a a very good season but i i see it as an upgrade what, what we've been doing since last summer is really finding places and strategically just upgrading these positions and i think when you look at a midfield of jaka and party and you look at a midfield of havertz and rice that's just an upgrade like in my mind like you know if you're playing you know fifa that's that's you know just a straight up upgrade and I, I, I really like that idea. I think, you know, again, just kind of with Jorginho, if you're looking at that midfield and you have Havertz there, Rice there, and Odegaard kind of up at the top, they all have kind of different but complementary skill sets. Yeah. And I think it, it's, it's, it's very exciting. It's, it's been a while since I've been so excited about our midfield. Sometimes, like, over the last three years it's felt like our midfield's been the center of midfield i should say has been kind of cobbled together or maybe uh players that we're waiting to see where they're you know like lakonga you know even yeah those things whereas this is you know as close to a, a, a sure bet as you can get you know you never know the premier league is a weird a weird thing and you never know he might not work out but this is as close as you can get to a sure bet in 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 trans in the transfer market yeah i think that that's what it costs to have a really proven player um we'll see if that works out like you said we can't we can't count on it being a perfect fit but i think uh we we've seen a lot we've seen what this this recruiting team can do i i don't expect them to miss on this one. It's it's kind of like the the data's out there. The type of player he is is uh, pretty plain to see. The personality is definitely something that they've been able to vet based on like you know Saka's friendship with him and and uh, Arteta's conversations that he's been able to have with him. I feel like that is 
it, it would be surprising to me if there was a complete miss there. And also, like one of the things to remember too is that he's been playing in the Premier League. He's been playing in London. There's no uh, adjustment as far as like you know learning the English weather and everything. He's yeah. he lives in London. He's played in the Premier League. He should be hitting the ground pretty much running. You know, there's obviously adjustment with new teammates and things like that. But you know, he's he's used to playing against City. He's used to playing against all these other teams that he, you play against. He knows the players. He knows the league. Yeah, and I think we have to look at this with the same uh, lens as Havertz and say if if you are a talented player that has not been used correctly or has not been uh, surrounded with the level of talent that you're at, which I think is more the case of uh, of Rice here, where he, he is, uh, um, for whatever they had at, at West Ham, I think he was he stood out as, as the best player there. And I think if you put players that are more at his level or can take advantage of the things that he can do, uh, I think he's just going to shine. I think it, it's going to be a good fit. Yep. I mean, I, again, it, it's never a sure bet, but I, I feel very confident about that one. And I tend to be a little bit of a prude when it comes to money and I don't love giant transfer fees, but I'm, I'm not upset with this. I, I see where it's going and, and I'm, it's, I think it's a, a wise spend for our, you know, our limited resources. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and last but not least and this one, I mean, well, not even rice has technically been announced yet, but all, all of the, uh, all of the direct, uh, the in the nose, the ITKs, the, <laughs> um, they they are all pointing towards the, that deal being uh, pretty much done, except for the the uh, medical, mm. which is formality, pretty much. Uh, so that one's about to cross the line, and it's sounding like hot on the heels of that announcement will be uh, an announcement of uh, Urian Timber from Ajax. Unfortunate and, last name, but we'll, we'll get around. <laughs> yeah, what are you gonna do? Uh, <laughs> but you know, he is a player that his name's been tossed around a bit uh, as we were looking at um, Lissandro Martinez last season as a center back option. Uh, he was the the player that a lot of people were like, well, you know, the, the better player of the center backs at Ajax was, was actually Timber and he wasn't for sale at the time. But I think a lot of a lot of Arsenal fans were were clamoring for him over Martinez due to his um, uh, kind of being the second choice center back at Ajax. But uh, Timber brings with him uh, an interesting conundrum in my mind because he is, he's, he's a center back and has some right back experience. Um, and, and he is a player that likes to get forward. He, he's kind of a, a roaming center back that, that gets, gets into space and creates things further upfield. So uh, by all means, I'd love to have that in the team. I think that is a great asset to have and fits with what um, Saliba can do at times. So you've got that, that coverage there uh, that's willing to push forward and, and build attacks from the back. But it's this right back thing that I keep hearing more than the center back position. And I, I think that adds an interesting wrinkle at the price that he's coming in at. Uh, he's, he, you know, he's just a little bit less th- than the price that we paid for Ben White. Uh, and Ben White is not a, well, I, I'm not sure what his preferred position would be. 
but he he was not necessarily going to be our first choice right back going into last season. But surprise, surprise, he's turned out to be fairly decent at it. But now we've got Timber coming in who can push a Ben White, who can push, uh, I, I don't know how much he's going to push Saliba, but you know, it can offer something different either from the bench or as a rotational option. Uh, where what, what do you make of this this signing? Because it is it is coming at the forty, I think forty five mm-hmm. million range. Um, so it's not a cheap signing by any means, but comes in uh, in a couple positions that that are interesting to me. Uh, what do you think of him? Well, and the first thing I want to say is uh, I want to give a shout out to friend of the uh, pod, Jordo, who uh, mentioned this player before anyone else was talking. He was, I guess, playing a game of FIFA and came across <laughs> the player and was like, "We should sign this guy. He's a, he's amazing." And you know, lo and behold, now we've uh, finally signed it. But uh, as far as the position, I love it. Again, we talk about the 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 boxes being ticked off or what type of players we're signing. Yeah, it's young, versatile, and his versatility. He he really does remind me of Ben White. You you mentioned you know you 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 link that whole thing, and I think it's a great not depth piece, but it, it fills in a lot of gaps so that if there is you know a sleeve injury like we had. Uh-huh last towards the end of last year imagine having two ben white so there was someone to cover center back and cover right back and so you know uh-huh. as as the season goes on and you know especially with champions league where we're you know we're gonna have to do some rotation but it's not like europa league where we can you know blood in some younger players or, or things like right. that we want to have good quality yeah. depth and so now i really feel at this point with that timber signing, our defense is pretty lock solid as far as not only the starting lineup, but as far as depth and coverage that, you know, we can actually take a couple injuries and still kind of churn forward and be all right with it. And I think that's what that right back and center back depth go, goes. And also it means that we can kind of adjust tactics. I, I think it'd be, it's, it'd be fun to see Ben white on the, uh, the right side have, uh, Timber as a center back pairing with a with a, a Gabriel or Gabriel, the other Gabriel, <laughs> uh-huh. and uh, have kind of Gabriel being like a, a more solid rock in the defense, and having on that right side two marauding defenders that if you leave space can uh, really uh, hurt you. Yeah, it, it does add some different different things that we could do. Uh, I've heard it brought up that he could be the uh, the Zinchenko of the right side. Mm-hmm that he can roam forward and, and tuck in a little bit, um, which I find very interesting to change things up tactically. You bring him in and maybe Zinchenko stays home a little bit and you kind of alternate which which player is, is pushing forward. Um, but yeah, it also gives you some uh, options because you also have Tommy Asu's coming back. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he can fill in in different areas. Um, it does... Uh, make for an interesting left side com- conversation. Cause if, if we do have so much coverage on the right, then I guess Tommy Asu potentially is our, also our left back coverage. And that may mean that the rumors of tyranny moving on are true, Yeah, but he he's, he's one I could see staying as well. It's, it depends on uh, his, his desire to be a starter. And I think it's up to him whether um, he's willing to to stay and, and fight for 
the minutes that he could get uh, or whether he's he's ready to go. But um, Tom, Tommy Hasu, unfortunately, for as good as he has been, he, he has also been um, hit with injuries. So it is good to have someone else back there so we aren't in that same situation. And between uh, Kivior and uh, now Timber, I, I, I do think that uh, also with Tommy Asu being able to play as, as a center back, I think you've got uh, a perfect window for Rob Holding to, to ex- make his exit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, de- quality depth, I think, is, is a sign that we're moving in the right, right direction. It's not just um, the first, first line that we're, we're upgrading on. We're also building up uh, what we can do from the bench. And, uh, you know, considering, like, even going back to Havertz, uh, it is nice to think that oh we've, we've got Havertz, but you've got you've got players like Trissard who can come in mm-hmm. still and, and and score goals from the bench. You you're getting Nelson resigned. You've got another option there. You've got um, you've got some more pieces that you can move around. But uh, as we add more and more players, uh, I'm curious what what depth we keep and what we're willing to to part with. Well, and so it I think for me the biggest difference between Man City and Arsenal last year wasn't necessarily the starting 11. Uh The biggest difference between Man City and us last year and why Man City won and we didn't was the depth and the quality of depth. And it's not to say we didn't have coverage, but I mean, and I love holding, but he's not, he's a downstep. Love El Nene. He's a downstep when you, when you have to play those players. Right. As coverage. As I said, I, with this timber signing, our defense is sorted. We have so much depth and so many options that uh, we're good. You know, like I, we can take, I mean, God forbid, but we can take some injuries in that defense and still be at the same level we're at, you know? Right. Hopefully. I mean, yeah. you, you would have thought we were in okay shape last year, but, you know, when you have two players go down in a single position, that is really tough to recover from. Uh, so having that tactical flexibility where you have players that can cover multiple mm-hmm. positions, I think that's definitely something that um, Arteta has been going for for a while. But uh, when you're talking about uh, the bench positions, you definitely like to have those players that can do more than one role. Yeah, and it's, I mean, we had coverage for that center back, but I mean, our when when you're when you're having to start holding and again servant to the club love that man but it is a downstep you know and yeah. now now the coverage isn't a downstep it might be a little bit uh, less tactically ideal but these players are of a very high quality that are coming in yeah and i just like what at least with timber i like that he you can see that he offers something different from what we have he is kind of a specialized type player who does something that um we definitely could use in the back line and, and that that is that um player that could push forward and and Zinchenko does that so well uh but I think defensively uh Timber's a, a much stronger player mm-hmm. um okay so we've talked about those players I've it is interesting too with the tactical uh conversations that are going on now as we look at these different players and who might stay and who might go um i'm i'm curious to see what arteta actually deploys because i I think we we get so rigid and like this is a midfielder this is a 
right back. This is a center back, but what we've been kind of morphing towards over the past couple seasons is these nebulous uh, positions of uh, that are just parts of the field. You know, you're not really playing a a rigid position. You're you're covering different areas, and and that is something that is um, hard to wrap your head around sometimes. But it is it like I could see a scenario where we're playing with the back three for chunks of the game. And you, you are really looking at the game, uh, the game phase and, and the different um, uh, roles that players are, are playing with, with and without the ball as things kind of uh, evolve. We have to kind of adjust to these players, not necessarily being what they were with other teams. They're kind of just, a little, a little something different under the Arteta tactics. Yeah, I mean, not, uh, not to get too soccer nerdy and uh, go <laughs> down, but I mean, the idea of formation and position is radically different from what it was even just five years ago, and it, it, we are re- evolving. Total football isn't the right word for it because that's a whole other thing, but the idea of a four-four-two or these these very static formations is is isn't the reality that is actually being played on the pitch and player roles is 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 not the reality that's being played on the pitch it's 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 becoming a lot more of setting up a team with some as you said nebulous ideas of where these players are but they are going to be switching changing the 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 spatial areas that they're at are going to change based on the position of the ball position of other players and it's it's becoming much more of a having intelligent players that can recognize a situation both be covering for attacks and knowing where the weaknesses are on the attack and just you know finding spaces and so you know we we see it in the front line with jesus and we we actually saw with Giroud back in the day that uh the these strikers, it's not like they're just hanging around in the box waiting for the ball to come. They're going to the ball. They're changing positions, switching. You know, Martinelli does that all the time with uh, with uh, Jesus. Yeah, absolutely. And and if that that interchange, the, the unpredictability has really been a hallmark of what worked really well last season. Mm-hmm. And and when you add a, a Havertz in there to interchange with Martinelli and Jinchenko down that left hand side. You've got uh, a a Rice who can pull the strings centrally, who can get involved in, in creating that defensive shield and, and really pinning teams back. And then you've got a Timber who can bomb forward down the right-hand side and offer something different from what we've had from uh, from Ben White. You know, like it, it is uh, interesting to think of the different combinations that we can create and and the things that we potentially haven't unlocked and the players that we have just by bringing in a couple couple new pieces so I'm, I'm really excited to see just what we're going to get from the three players we've signed and i have a hunch that there's one or two more signings that could happen if we if we get enough players out the door yeah i mean i think uh there's still some positions that i'd like to see strengthened really my uh my my, my wish and my hope is to get one more coverage for striker uh and yeah i'd love to see striker or a potential um strong backup for for Saka. we still that's still kind of a gap mm-hmm. in our our uh lineup right now although you could say i mean trissard could play that position he could yeah. he could uh, he's generally been playing on that left hand side but i, I i'm sure he, I, you know we've 
we've seen him come in multiple areas of the field and been just fine. So um, I just wonder uh, if that's uh, an emergency situation or if that's where we ideally see him playing mm-hmm. as, as that backup to Saka. But there, there, that is one of those things that's like we have, uh, I guess, Reese Nelson could be, uh, potentially play in there as well. And so we've, we've got players that can definitely do that. But I think the reluctance to pull Saka off the field is that we don't really have a ready-made player that can come off the bench and be as dynamic, be as mm-hmm. exciting, and really not have a significant drop-off. I mean, that's hard. That's hard when your star player comes off the field. Who? How do you follow that up? Yeah. Um, how do you replace that? And that that no matter who which name we drop here, uh, I don't think that sort of player exists on the team at the moment. And <laughs> um, there's potential signings that are being floated floated around i think the outgoing is the more interesting piece for the moment since we made the the business up front i think the next period is going to be about getting getting players out the door so we can recoup some of the war chest a little bit before going after anybody else but i could be surprised arsenal could definitely pull the trigger on somebody else and, and shock everybody yeah, but I mean, I think you bring it up and it's next on our agenda, I guess, which is uh, the the outgoing piece is going to be important too. That we, it's it's fun and the fun part is to to talk about the uh, the players are bringing in, but there's not unlimited money. You have to recruit somewhere, and you mentioned it before that this has been a weak spot for, gosh, since we've done the podcast. <laughs> of, oh, absolutely. Of of Arsenal, where we have not been able to get the only really the player that stands out to me that we got we we let go that we got the right amount of money for was emmy martinez and other uh, yeah um uh why am i forgetting his name uh went to newcastle uh oh uh yeah 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 awful awful I can't two names two last names joe willick joe Wilk. yes not two last no, names two last names <laughs> Uh, but he has a decent fee for the, the level of player that yeah. he was. Um, but we're gonna, but, yeah. but we're gonna have to let go of some players. And I think we we mentioned it before. The Jaka, Jaka looks more. He already said goodbye on Twitter. It seems like that's just uh-huh. waiting for a medical and to get Rice in. I think we don't let Jaka go until we get Rice's name on paper. Sure, but that that looks pretty good to go. And you know, I'm. I'm I'm happy with that. I think that's the perfect time for him to go. And if the the fee that like it's like twenty million, I think is what they're talking about. Yeah, somewhere around there. And I think that's a good fee for an older player, and you know can help recruit some of the the these bigger signings. Uh, what are the other ones that we're looking at that are going? Uh, th- there haven't been a ton of concrete rumors about party yet. Just that there's some, uh, interest from, uh, potentially like a Juventus, uh, Italian team might suit him well. Uh, cause I think he wants to stay in Europe, but, uh, the, uh, Saudi league is also sniffing around as a potential. I would take some uh, of that suitor. Saudi money in a heartbeat. Yeah. Yeah. I think that would be a, a nice, a nice return on our investment. Um, but uh, I, I honestly don't care where he goes if, if he's yeah. gonna go. I just want um I just want him out the door soon enough so we can find a replacement. Yeah, and I don't know if we'll let him go unless we like. I think if there is a, a concrete deal for him, 
we would definitely hold off on that until we were able to well, I mean, recruit hit somebody else. I was thinking, so like you bring in Rice and it's like, uh, not like for like, but he's kind of a replacement. And then you do have uh-huh. Elneny as a depth piece. Sure. Again, uh, especially with the the off the field stuff that's kind of been rumbling around. I I just... I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't really want him as an Arsenal player. I, I, yeah, I'm, I would be happy to see the back of him. And I, and again, it's not to say he's been a bad servant to the club. It's just, as I said, with the off the, off the field stuff, it makes me uncomfortable. And with, uh, I think we're, we're just as a team moving in a different direction to what he offers. Yeah, I think we we could go younger and be okay. Um, it comes with the risk of of inexperience, but if you're replacing him with a rice, it's really not that big of a drop off. I think you definitely improve in more areas than you lose. Uh, I think the argument against it would be if you lose party, you lose depth, um, and maybe a party that doesn't have as many miles on his legs would be an asset. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't know that he wants to be splitting time necessarily in, in the, this point of his career i think he still has more to offer so i could understand if he wanted um I, it sounded like he he was uh wanting to have conversations when he got back from holidays mm-hmm. so i you know i think that it is it is time to kind of put the writing on the wall and say if an offer if an offer's out there we're going to take it and, and just make it clear that it is uh a potential there because i think he uh, if if he hears it from the coach that he's not the the primary guy, or you know his time is winding down, he he may want to cut ties sooner than later. Yeah, I mean, is this the time that uh, Lakonga steps up? No, <laughs> <laughs> I'd take some money for him too. Uh, I think he's a lone lone candidate at at the very at the very least because uh he you'd be selling low at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think given the right situation he could potentially recoup some of his stature and, and maybe get a decent fee down the, down the line. But uh, I think he's got to go out on loan to prove himself again, get back on track. I, I don't know that he played much at uh, palace and, and that's not, you know, not that I, I remember. I, I didn't, he, he played again. He didn't play against us. I, I remember seeing him on the field yeah. for palace and being very underwhelmed with his performance. So yeah, I don't think it was against us, but he, you know, he is a, um, he's a player that like I would love to get some money for. And then you got you've got some some players like Pepe and Cedric mm-hmm. and players who are absolutely not in the picture of this team that were on loan that need to find homes. And if we can recoup anything, like even just I could see a Pepe getting uh, written off the books and allowed to to go. Uh, or, or paid to leave. Yeah. I could definitely see that being one of the uh, mistakes that we try to write off the books. <laughs> well, I mean, we we did do uh, with a um, uh, what was it a Maori uh, Pablo Maori. We got seven million for him. Yeah, yeah, just recently. So that's that's not nothing. Yeah. That's good. But yeah, we've got we've got some holders on that are um, taking up salaries that we could definitely stand to to let go. Um, you got, but, you, you do got to think that, uh, Pepe has some value. He's not going to, we're never going to recruit his full value, but you gotta, you gotta think that there's gotta be at least 10 million in him, not just like a full write-off, but 
I, I'm sure you could get a fee for him. The problem is going to be finding a team that wants to pay his wages because I think he's oh. in a high high wage bracket. Yeah. So unless he wants to take uh, a, a little less to go elsewhere and play, which is it, there's always that potential. If you're it, it, sometimes when your your wages outpace your actual talent, you have to, to do a level set and and figure out what you're actually worth, mm-hmm. or else you're just not going to make anything. Yeah, and you're just not going to play, and then look at your your future earnings if he can find like because he he did do well in the french league and if he can get back to the french league he can make a career out of it whereas if he just rots on arsenal's bench or or something like that he's not gonna be able to make future wages yeah i I just i can't even see a scenario where uh he stays and arsenal's are are bringing him off the off the bench to to play a bit part in the season he just doesn't doesn't fit in any capacity, what Arsenal's trying to do at this point. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he's he's a guy that could go. Uh I'm trying to, I'm trying to think if there's anybody else that, that was kind of on the periphery that we, we I'm gonna throw forgot place for the team. <laughs> I'm gonna throw a name out. It's kind of my hobby horse of out transfers. I've mentioned it before. Smith Rowe. Oh yeah, you know he's been looking good I know. for the U twenty one team. I know. Uh, so I don't see. It. I, I mean, if you're uh, looking to shore up your left hand side, he he covers the Martinelli and the Havertz position pretty well. But we have Trossard so in there, right? Yeah, but you need it's two positions. You need two players. So I feel like he's 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 going to slot in in one of those. I'm just saying that if you're looking, if I were Arsenal's top brass and you're looking to recoup some of these transfers that we've we've shelled out, especially now that he's looking pretty good in the uh, U23s for England, I'm not necessarily saying I want him to go or that I think he should go, but I could see that as a tempting if the offer is correct that he he would go if we if we can get like 50 for him 60 million for him i don't think that's yeah. a a horrible way to to uh to to get some money back i would be surprised if we got that offer but that would be the type of money i think would make arsenal think twice so i'm just saying just you know hold the space and when it happens i'll i'll uh not celebrate because i actually do like him as a player and i hope he comes yeah. good for us but it's, I mean, it is, but it is, he's, in, he's been injury prone. It is, you know, we have to, at some point, you know, as I say, in, when you're an author, you have to kill your darlings. There has to be a uh-huh. certain point of where you have to, you can't just always buy, we're not Chelsea, you can't just always buy players. You have to, you, you do have to let some, some of these players go. Right. Uh, a couple, a couple others that that popped up. Uh, obviously, Balogun is one we mm-hmm. we should mention. Um, he seems destined to leave, but that I, I say that knowing that he will be on the uh, the tour with the team for a little bit. So I think there is a potential for him to stay with Arsenal if he has a good preseason. Yeah, I mean, I think because uh, he's he's been. He's been the one that's really been instigating these uh, these uh, want to leave. If I've been reading it right, uh-huh. and he wants more playing time and wants to you know get a starting position, and you know just unfortunately with Jesus up top, you're not gonna you he's not gonna be the starter per se. But 
I like him better than, uh, you know, our other striking depth options. And you have to think that there's going to be a time when we need to have another striker. And I, I can see him getting significant minutes off the bench. And, you know, if uh, Jesus goes down, God forbid, you know, he could get a sustained run in the team. So if I were him, I would kind of want to hold on for this year, see if he's not going to get some significant minutes and go from there. That being said, I'd take, you know, a, a decent paycheck for him. I'd take, you know, what, 20, 30 mil for him. Yeah, I I would. Um, but I, given the option of Enkedia or him, oh, I'd pick, I'd pick Balogun. Oh, a hundred percent. And I, and, you know, I'm not the biggest Enkedia fan, so like that's not maybe an unfair, but uh, yeah. So I mean, I, I, you would hope that Arteta could get it into his ear and say like, "Hey, give yourself some patience. You're still a young player. You will get your your shots if you stay here." Type of thing. Yeah, because I can't imagine Jesus is forever. Yeah, you know, there there is going to be a time, and I think I think. The way that Jesus can be kind of hot and cold, you could definitely come off the bench and and make a play for that position. Mm-hmm. I think the hot hand would definitely win. Yeah, exactly. I think if uh, we we see Jesus get off to a slow start and he starts scoring off the bench, you 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 start making a case for yourself. It's a with him, you have you know you have to prove yourself. That's a, the thing he has to realize is that he hasn't you know, really shown anything at the top, top level yet. Right. And so of course you're not going to get a, a starting role in getting those minutes. It actually kind of surprised me to see him kind of agitating for a move because he's not getting starting minutes. Cause I, he's going to have to step down quite a bit of levels to, to go to a place where he's going to get starting minutes. He'd probably get some starts at a lower level premier league, maybe like a crystal palace type of, of team, or maybe any of the, you know, Burnley or any of the teams coming up, he might, might be a starter but again he hasn't he doesn't have a history anywhere of any you know first team minutes right i mean i guess it depends on how much you how much weight you put into the french league Mm -hmm. um he he definitely made a case for him being a starter somewhere uh and i'm sure he'd be uh coveted by teams in france after the year he had last year so i i think there would be some teams that would come knocking from that league if they could afford him. Yeah. And that's the hard part is there's a, there's few teams that are um, able to even pay the 30 million that he'd probably get, you know, that, that, that kind of speaks to the French league. There's just not a lot of options yeah. for him there. Especially with the French league uh, losing their, uh, one of their champions league spots, there's uh, less money sloshing around there. Right. So, I mean, you could see maybe PSG coming in cause they're looking, especially if, uh, they do uh, move on from uh, Neymar and uh, uh, why am I forgetting the best striker in the world right now? Mbappe. Mbappe. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of dependent in the next couple of weeks if Mbappe uh, resigns or not. That could be a huge factor in the, the market. I, I don't know who goes in for a player at that level. Um, it I, I would be uh, more than shocked. I, I think I would uh, die nine lives if, if Arsenal <laughs> even was in the conversation. I've heard some people were like, oh, well, we should go in for him. Yeah. I'm like, are you kidding me? We just spent a hundred. We, we don't have 200 million laying around. He's going to garner like 150. I mean, he's, he's, 
that far out there in the market. I, I mean, don't think he's going to. At the end of the day, like you could, I mean, Kronky could open his like uh, sofa cushion and find that laying around if uh, if Kronky really wanted it. I guess so. I mean, that would be incredible. I, I, I can't, I don't want to add to add that to my back of my mind, even as a possibility, yeah, I mean, but it's, it's a, but I mean, I think they're, the way they're looking at Arsenal is not necessarily that they're trying to break, break even on this transfer window, but like adding another 200 mil to that. And you have to also look at uh, financial fair play at that point. Like, yes, that's the problem with yeah. some of these superstars is that there's only a small n- number of teams that kind of, Forward these it's like when you're looking at like a Mbappe you're looking at you know Real Madrid used to be Barcelona but they're in financial fair play trouble uh maybe an Italian team or two like there's only a very small window of teams that can afford to with financial for fair play afford yeah those transfer fees it's probably down to about five teams tops yeah you got Bayern Munich Juventus it's basically the tops of the the individual yeah. leagues and you know you can't see City going after him when they have a uh, Holland. So no, um, so I mean I, I understand why Arsenal could be in that mix. Yeah. I mean there's just but I mean it, it just financially doesn't make a ton of sense at this point in the window. But I could I could I could make the case for that um, being a, a, a nice upgrade for sure. Yeah. <laughs> just wait till his contract runs out and then get him on a free. It, I I don't know what PSG is going to do. I mean, they are they are kind of between a rock and a hard place based on the amount of player or amount of teams, like you said, that would actually be able to do it, and the the tight deadline to kind of actually cash in on him because he's he's kind of um, if he doesn't resign, he walks on a free next year. They won't allow that because he's worth too much. Yeah. So, how do you force a transfer to happen if there's no suitors? That's what the Saudi league is for, I guess. I guess, I, but can you imagine that would be such a huge get, but also uh, a, a huge sidestep for Mbappe yeah. to to go that direction. Or he could just like wait there, incubate for a year there, and then like maybe make his wages back to a place where people. Because that's the thing is the, these it was just like Messi when he left Barcelona. It's not that he Messi wanted to leave Barcelona. It's just that the team couldn't afford him, and there's was a, basically one other team that could afford him, and it was PSG. So right, it's a, I mean the big money teams it's 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 a weird world and we're kind of almost stepping back into that position which makes me uncomfortable but it is what it is so but even like even signing like i rice to me it, even though we he garnered a huge fee i think a lot of that is that he's a british player but he it, the, the distance between him and mbappe is mm-hmm. is pretty wide i mean I, it's not like He's a bad, a bad player. It's just the value of a of an, an attacking player versus a defensive midfielder is yeah. It it, it is it skews things quite a bit. Yeah, and yeah, as I say, like I'm I'm realistically like Mbappe is not on the on the table for us. It'll be interesting to see where he goes if he goes. But yeah, it, it is it is uh, a a weird time to be in that position with even the the other financial powerhouses just having a, a hard time staying on the right side of things with Chelsea's not going to be able to do as much. Uh, Man United's not going to be able to do as much. Yeah, and, and, uh, you know, you look at Italy, like those teams are also <laughs> in some financial difficulties, especially the, the, the 
normal names we're used to. Spain, even Real Madrid isn't in a great financial shape. We we haven't you haven't heard their name a lot because Barcelona is in a worse financial spot than they are. But there's you know as I said, there's not a lot of teams that can really afford these players that are like the Ballon d'Or like super superstars or at least what they think there is. I think we're starting to see this like top of the market that these players are pricing themselves out from being able to move. Yeah. I'm not sure what his end goal is because he has to know the state of the world of, of these different teams that could afford him. Uh, I feel like those conversations are, are happening behind the scenes. So he, he must know something to, to, to force this situation. Or he just likes his odds because, you know, if he walks on a free, all that money goes to Yeah, him. exactly. You know, like, that's a, that's a huge get right there. Exactly. I mean, that might be his whole thing is just like, screw it, spend one more year at PSG, take it easy, don't get injured, and sign a giant, giant wage. Right. Yeah. A free transfer with a giant wage, it's, all, it's free money. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, so we'll see how that all plays out. I, I there hasn't been a ton of uh, major signings happening in the Premier League yet. Uh, so as as things start to um, fall into place, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see what what sort of teams start sniffing around some of our excess players. <laughs> the um, the last last thing I will say is that. Uh, I I will be, you know, I I, I feel like I, I've spent a lot of energy already in this transfer window, <laughs> so I'm I'm kind of um, I'm content if Arsenal doesn't do um, any other major signings. I think I feel like I I would be okay if we if this were the big three that came in and and that was all we did. Yep, I I agree with you. Like this has already felt like a successful window. I think it it shows a lot of a uh, professionalism and forethought that we get our business done early in the window and it's Mm -hmm. it's 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 nice you know it's it means other teams are going to be scrambling towards the end of the window and we're in a position of strength so if anything does pop up we've you know we've already made our big signings and we're just kind of sitting there happy and if anything pops up we're able to like pounce on it yeah i do think there's going to be some opportunity signings with um teams needing to get uh players off their books i think you know even though we didn't get like a, a, a screaming deal on havertz i do feel like that that is the sort of signing that um arsenal are, are looking for mm-hmm. in players that are maybe slightly undervalued or um you know the the sorts of opportunity players that maybe don't fit exactly what you need right at the moment but you'd be foolish to let sit on the market if it's something you see as a need down the line or something you can kind of adjust for so exactly i i would not be surprised if if arsenal do pop up with a a random signing or two that we weren't expecting <laughs> just just those names that, that like i i have the idea that we have a midfield of odegaard rice and havertz like could you imagine those three names just thrown around even a year or two ago no. that it, those those would be the players in the arsenal midfield it's crazy oh, it's great it's, i mean it's starting to feel like we're back to being the top of the echelon you know we, we, we if it that that's a champions league midfield you know uh-huh yeah it feel it, like 
I don't know what qualifies as a, a household name, but you know, if you're if you're a fan of the sport, you know these players, mm-hmm. and it's starting to be that uh, a lot of the Arsenal team are those sort of household names, especially if you're a um, fan of the, the the English team. I mean, as we start collecting these pieces like Rice, Ramsdale, uh, Neil Smith Rowe to a degree, Saka, like there that that representation of the the English core that uh, we used to have is is definitely rounding around and coming around again um and it 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 is uh interesting to see as you kind of always like talking about the the chemistry points Mm -hmm. uh, from fifa but you know (laughs) like you were saying like you've got stuff like uh, Jorginho and and Havertz you've got you've got those English players that are um coming together so I I do like thinking about how those things could play into um our our upcoming season and and the little things that will unlock for this team as we bring in the different pieces yeah. All right. Is there anything else we need to talk about this week? We've we've gone for a while. We, we've hit our hour and twenty yeah, minutes. Yeah, I feel now. like it's a. <laughs> we 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 should save some powder for uh, the uh, long off season that's only a month long. But <laughs> yeah, we've got more. We've got more transfers and things to talk about down the road. But for now, this is pretty much it. So I think we should call it a day. Um, with that. I will say thank you for listening to this week's episode. And if you have not done so already, review and subscribe wherever you're picking up the podcast. Join us on Twitter if it's still working. <laughs> it's at W of N London. Email us if that's more reliable. It's westofnorthlondon at gmail.com. Join our Discord by clicking the link in our show notes. Uh, check out our uh, the, the writers of our theme song. Uh, it's Bobcat and their website is bobc.at. Go find their music and more there. And that is all for us this week. So as always, see you at the next gun show. <laughs>